Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. Welcome to it. Glad you are here. We've been talking about uh, cryptocurrency, both uh, seriously and joking about it. Sean, are you a multimillionaire yet? I can't remember. Not yet. Okay. All I need is a little time. You're very hip to the uh, the tech thing, the cryptocurrency, the NFTs, the rest of it. I'm, I'm thinking of dipping my toe in, and we'll do it advisedly. Hamza Shaban of the Washington Post writes about uh, various things uh, tech-related and uh, economics and that sort of thing and joins us now. Hamza, how are you? I'm well. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks. You know, it's interesting. I know journalists don't write their own headlines, generally speaking. Um, the headline for your piece today is, as cryptocurrency goes wild, fear grows about who might get hurt, um, which I'm sure is true. But doesn't everybody kind of understand that it's a wild and volatile market at this point? I think I think a lot of investors are going in with their with their eyes open and they're they're knowledgeable about the risks and how volatile cryptocurrencies can be and and maybe that's exactly what drew them in. But I think there's concerns from regulators and market observers that perhaps maybe there is a subset of traders and perhaps young people who just don't understand just how volatile it is. And maybe they think that, um, you know, there should be more education or increased scrutiny on this market to prevent the worst kinds of abuses and the worst kinds of losses for people. Okay, let's not get uh, too hip for the room, I guess. Let's just do 30 seconds on what are cryptocurrencies. Sure. The, the simplest explanation is it's a digital money and different coins uh, do different things. But the basic technology is it's a way to record transactions and to uh, store value and exchange information online. And whoever issues this currency assures people, and it's it's enforced through uh, blockchain, if you know what that is, that they're not going to continually produce more and more and more. There's a, a fixed amount or a very slowly growing amount, so people know that there aren't going to go from 10,000 bitcoins to 50 million overnight. That's true for some some tokens. Some tokens work by issuing a set amount on a certain time period, and there's a there's a finite supply, and that's part of the the draw. Other coins, there there's just an infinite amount, and they'll just keep pumping them out. But uh, but for Bitcoin, that's certainly true. So we were talking about how volatile the market is. How volatile is it? So uh, if you've been following the stock market, you know that you know some days are just traders can suffer brutal losses. And that's even more true with crypto, where the the prices can really go up and down on a wild roller coaster ride. But but part of the appeal for traders is that there is this risk. But that also means that you can gain so much, even in a period of time. And we're talking about doubling, tripling, even like 10x, depending on, on when you invested. Well, you mentioned that Dogecoin is up 10,000% this year. That's right. It's it's one of the one of the most astounding storylines in the the crypto community. And yes, it it, it used to be uh just fractions of a penny um just earlier this year, but it's it's gone on this amazing breathtaking run this year. 
And yes, if you were if you were savvy enough or lucky enough to invest earlier, you, you're sitting on enormous winnings. Um, and that's assuming you you had the nerve not to sell as well. <laughs> How many cryptocurrencies are there? So uh, one website uh, that that tracks cryptocurrencies has it at nearly ten thousand. Oh my um, gosh! And, and yeah, it's it, and if you if you go back in time, um, there's been staggering growth um, from just even a few years ago, and 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 it's almost on a daily, weekly basis where new coins are coming out to try to um, jump on the excitement within the community. Uh, listen, I, I'm not sure if you can answer this question ethically. I'm sure you'll find a way, but uh, what are the what are the ones worth paying attention to? Are there like uh, the heavy hitters? I mean, if there are nearly ten thousand cryptocurrencies, I'm going to ignore most of them. Who are the heavy hitters? Yeah, so so one one basic strategy that uh, investors engage in is just looking at the the coins that are most valuable. So um, one website called Coin Market. Uh, that tracks the market caps of, of different currencies, um, they'll just have like a, a top 10 list that you can see mm. and that traders will go to those. And um, just similar to stocks, if they want a, a diverse prof, uh, portfolio, they'll invest a little bit in, in, among those top 10. But that's one way to for, for traders who want to introduce themselves to different coins. They can just look at, you know, which are the, which are the biggest uh, among that list. You know, it totally flitted out of my mind. Uh, Producer Positive, Sean, if you want to cook up a question, uh, let me ask one more, and then if you have a question for Hamza, we'll do it. Uh, So one of the attractions I know of Bitcoin, which was the first one I was familiar with, and a lot of people were, was that uh, transactions could take place outside the watchful eye of the government. And and everybody's mind always goes to drugs and, and illegal firearms or whatever. But just as a you know a liberty loving guy, I kind of like the idea of the government doesn't have to know everything I'm doing. How likely or or how hmm, how quickly is that eroding? How quickly is the government getting more and more oversight? What's happening on that level? So yeah, as you as you point out. Uh, cryptocurrencies anonymity is is part of the appeal and and from a from a tech and social and political standpoint that's what draws in a lot of a lot of fans and a lot of endorsers but yes from from a legal and a government perspective that poses a challenge to regulators and to law enforcement agencies um, who don't want that kind of technology to be used by criminals to kind of hide from the eyes of the law. So that's that's one thing that is an unresolved tension in the world of crypto. How can you have this currency that promises anonymity, but at the same time ensure that law enforcement and the government uh, can can keep tabs on on bad actors and and help prevent crime? So yeah, that's a huge tension, and there there is no answer right now. Hamza Shaban of the Washington Post is on the line. Positive Sean with a question. Just kind of a, a big picture uh, cryptocurrency slash NFT kind of blockchain adjacent stuff. It seems like because we're in this crazy Wild West growth period of it, um, uh, from my amateur view, there seems to be kind of a bit of a pump and dump problem in general with NFTs where if it, or uh, cryptos as well, where you're an influencer with some sort of reach online. All of a sudden, I mint a coin and I buy it and then sell it to my fans, quote-unquote, and then get out of it. That's precisely my plan. Is there is, is there a way out of that outside of government regulation? Can, can the crypto community kind of police itself in that way? From Do you have any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I, I, th- I think I think various communities that that center around different tokens, uh, I think they already do that type of self policing, and and um, there there are criticisms towards that types of behavior because it kind of detracts from the legitimacy and it adds these arguments that this is like a cesspool for crime and nefarious activity. But um, so yeah, for, there is a self regulating aspect to it, but that is also something that the government officials are, are taking a look at and observers are taking a look at because it is it is dangerous that you know individuals or influencers can move the price uh, massively just by you know endorsing or, or putting scorn on, on various coins. Now, at one point in the article, you quote somebody from St. Mary's University who says that these, uh, if the crypto becomes even bigger and weaves its way more into, you know, the, the mainstream economy, it could cause, it could pose systemic risk. What were they talking about? I've got the feeling that if I'm not in it, it's not going to affect me. It doesn't matter. So she, she was, uh, Professor Walsh is, is the person we're talking about. She was getting into this, um, this idea that as, more and more financial institutions offer their clients crypto-based products, that it becomes a, a bigger part of the overall economy, and that if one day or one week or one period it takes a dive, that it will take other parts of the economy or other markets with it, and, and that can pose a risk to, to the overall economy. So it's a, yeah, as it, as it grows, grows more popular within the world of finance, it, it poses a bigger, bigger risk. Hamza Shaban of the Washington Post. Really enjoyed the conversation. A, a solid piece, and a, a, let's stay in touch on this topic. Will do. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thank you. Pleasant young man. Enjoyed that. I'm. Uh, I've made the decision. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take a little share of the nest egg and uh, and throw it into a handful of cryptocurrencies. I haven't. Uh, haven't talked to the wife about it yet, but it takes me a while to work up my courage. I'm. Uh, I'm available to discuss. Should you. Uh, should you want to before jumping in. Sweetheart, I would like you to talk to Positive Sean. He has a good idea. <laughs> the first thing you need to know is blockchains. <laughs> I'm, <just, laughs> I'm going to say, honey, I would like to, you to speak to my attorney, which is generally a, a poor thing to say to your wife. <laughs> I am giving you power of attorney to convince my wife that this is a good idea. Uh, my, my simplest advice at this point is to set up weekly or biweekly purchases of the coins you want and kind of dollar cost average your way in there, similar to how your 401k does uh, out of your paycheck. Blah. Blah, blah. No way. Go in big. Both feet. Buy $10,000 worth. Have half a million tomorrow. Cash out. That is my plan. <laughs> All right. More to come, including the Army designated uh, uh, climate change as one of the great threats. I don't know if they're going to shoot it or bomb it or what. We'll talk about that. And I've got a lot of good stuff to squeeze in. Hang around, would you? The Armstrong and Getty Show. He was in a death row with that old gear. I got around, thumbed him in the eye, picked him off the ground, picked him out of the water so he couldn't get anywhere until he let the dog go. And in the interim, he decided, well, okay, I don't have him, I'll bite you. No hesitation. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. 
Gator grabs your dog, you grab the gator, you stick your thumb in its eye, and then you gouge the other eye, and you kick him in his balls. <laughs> it's just the way it is. And then you take your dog back, and then you take him by the tail. Not the, the, the gator, not the dog. You, you swing it around, you swing it, and you swing it, and then you, you bash it against the tree, and then you hurl it into the water. That's and, the way it is. And now I'm him in the eye. Thumbed him in the eye. Now I'm wearing him as boots and a belt. <laughs> Beautiful. Did we uh, did we see this guy? Was that a video? What are his wounds? Because he casually mentions that the gator, the gator, thinks no, I right, I'll bite video. you instead. How do you like that? Uh, bada boom, bada bing, now I'm biting you. Guy was seemed all right. So his uh, dog, I'm guessing it was a smallish dog. I mean, because but it couldn't be too small, unless a gator biting it would that be the end times? Yeah, that's true. It's a good point. But I mean, it's not like it was an eight foot gator or anything like that. The guy would be dead. It couldn't have been that big a, a gator slash. Uh, Thumbed him in the eye. <laughs> Just picked it up and jammed his thumb in his eye. Gator's biting him. I'll give it to you in your other eye, you little bastard. It's just that's, the way it is. Yeah, that's just the way it is. Gator grabs my dog. I don't. I remember the first time I ever went somewhere. I happened to be in Florida this past weekend. I told the story earlier, but. Um, I saw no gators and was very uh, disappointed. As that seems very exciting to me. Uh, the first time I ever played uh, golf in a place with alligators, I thought to myself, "There are lizards here that can kill you. How can you live here? How can anybody play the, the dead? There are death lizards here that will drag you into the water to your doom." But it's, it turns out they're quite benign. They mostly just sit there. Kind of half looking at you. You're kind of looking at them. You hit your shot, and off you go. Taking a look at the pup, I don't have much for scale, but I'd say on the small end of a lab, in terms okay. of the, he looks like a chocolate lab, but kind of a smaller one. So it wasn't like a little chihuahua. Because no, no, no. as you point out, that dog would just be, well, I don't want to talk about it. It's gross, but um, yeah, okay. I, I Wow. Wow. I'm picturing Baxter getting uh, beset by an alligator, which is incredibly unlikely. Mountain lion, maybe. But, um, the gent seems to have some bandages on his hand, so I'm guessing that's where the gator got him. Yeah. It's just guess, the way it is. Uh, well, I understand. It's the way it is. Um, I'm guessing it wasn't that big an alligator. I'm just, I, I, mm, I think I would, I, certainly if I had a weapon, I would whack it as hard as I could. I'm picturing Baxter. Any eye? Well, that's, well, next, naturally. That's just the way it is. That's what I'm going to do. I only know this Thumb from, him in the eye. from watching way too much Crocodile Hunter when I was a kid. Yeah. But uh, practically a child can hold a gator's mouth shut. Because ah, yes. their muscles only go to close their mouth. They, they have practically no muscles to open it up. So should right. you ever find yourself in a tussle with a gator and you are without a top jaw rope, right? You, uh, see if you can hold the mouth shut. Or... You can just thumb him in his eye. Thumbed him in the eye. I mean, that's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Right. You thumb him in the eye. I just, I don't know if I'm leaping on a gator. If a gator's got my dog. Gators I guess are, you, that's a dinosaur, right? Oh, clearly. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Unevolved. They're like me. No emotional growth <laughs> since I was a teenager. None. Um, Just view everything. Hot, cold, hot, cold. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Girls, sports, liquor. Girls, liquor, sports. Um, it's just yeah, the way I'm, it is. I know. I know. That's just the way it is. That's something. I'm sorry, Baxi, if you're listening at home. I, I, I love you, but uh, it's a dinosaur lizard that can kill you. Baxter's thinking, the, the number of lizards I have removed from your backyard, and you're not going to help me in this scenario? 
My God, that's an excellent point. Are you serving as his attorney now? That's true. He is hell on lizards in the backyard. Merciless on lizards. For reasons that I don't quite get, I've tried to tell him, look, they'll be fine. If an eight-footer wanders in here, then bite him. Again, highly unlikely. <laughs> uh, oh, the other thing I read the other day about alligators is uh, it was a little display about alligators and how you're not supposed to feed them uh, at this hotel in Florida where there were no alligators that I could see, although they're probably lurking under the surface of the water, come to think of it, waiting to leap out and eat unfortunate people's dogs and get a thumb in the eye for the the, the trouble. Thumb them? Uh, in the eye? In the eye, naturally. Well, that's just the way it is. Anyway, <laughs> it pointed out that when the Spanish sailors got to Florida... They named the beast that they had never seen before El Ligardo, or the lizard. Huh. And El Ligardo uh, morphed into alligator. And that's how that name came to I be. I love stuff like that. I read all that stuff. I'm a guy, I go to the zoo, I'm there all day because I read every placard. And they're top to bottom. And people who, like, lean on the placard, I hate them. I hate <laughs> those people. Like to, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to thumb them. In the eye. In the eye. Hey, you just thumbed my kid in the eye. He was leaning on the board explaining the fascinating uh, taper and its uh, leaf-eating capabilities. <laughs> oh, they All go right. at the leaves. Moving along. Oh, my God, we're out of time. What? That's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. I feel like the, the alligator of time has gripped my arm and is putting me in the death spiral of going into a commercial break. I want to get to the statement by the United States Army that climate change is a serious threat to our national security and what they're going to do about it. They're going to shoot it, I guess. So We'll talk about that, among other things. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Oh boy, I don't know what you did, Christine, but I know it's you. You're freaking me out if you're listening to me. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Be very afraid. I am, believe me. There's something that's going to explode. Let me out of this computer box. Oh boy. I'm hungry. Yeah, I bet you are. Christine needs a raise. <laughs> Give Christine the raise. Yeah, Christine's going to get fired. <laughs> That's a uh, woman who managed to make her boss's computer talk to him to freak him out. Very funny. Well played, Christine. <clears throat> Sorry about you getting fired. Funny bit, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great bit. <laughs> Uh, alert listener Jeff, honorary uh, producer of the Armstrong and Getty Show, sent this along to us from the U.S. Army. In line with the President and the Secretary of Defense's direction, the Army is prioritizing climate change considerations in its threat picture. So now, along with working women and various transgender people or whatever into every conceivable job and turning the armed forces into a social experiment, and we're now also going to uh, task the Army with with, well, prioritizing climate change considerations. Climate change, writes the United States Army, is a serious threat to U.S. national security interests and defense objectives. The effects of climate change can cause humanitarian disasters, undermine weak governments, and contribute to long-term social and economic disruptions. All of that is is conceivably true. That's some good poli-sci stuff right there. But warming temperatures open new theaters of operations for military and commercial use. 
uh, right, like the the polar regions where Russia is trying to be the first to exploit them and and grab control, uh, which we can't let happen. While extreme weather events and rising sea levels threaten infrastructure and economic output, trigger large-scale population displacement, migration, and exacerbate food and water insecurity. This is interesting. Um, the idea that uh, climate change is causing extreme weather events is d- just completely debunked. I mean, the the number of hurricanes and the persistence of this, that, and the other, the, the number of acres of wildfires burning is just, it's more or less stable. It goes up and down in little waves. But I'm not saying there's nothing to it or nothing could happen, but the idea that it's such an acute problem the Army needs to comment on it is... Uh, is kind of silly. So what are the current and past efforts of the Army? In line with the President's SEC's direction, the uh, SEC of uh, Defense, SECDEF, the Army is prioritizing climate change and its threat to strategic plans, operation, and installation. The Army is including climate risk analyses in modeling and simulation activities and daily operational missions. They're including co- climate risk analysis in daily operational missions? Like, like what? Can you guys, instead of uh, taking a, a jeep to the battlefront uh, for the uh, simulation, could you walk, please? Could you could you walk? Would you mind uh, hauling a, a giant array of solar panels behind the tanks? We're introducing solar paneled tanks. Instead now. of an aircraft carrier, have you guys considered a catamaran? Exactly. I'm sure you can launch jets off a catamaran if it has a big enough sail. Um, and if the uh, if the uh, the solar panel trailer isn't enough to power the tank, we're going to have to put a big windmill on top of the tank. We think between wind and solar, we can power every tank and do it in a climate sensitive uh, method. And over here, we have the emergency backup generator, sir. That seems to be a bicycle attached to the treads of the tank. That's right. <laughs> That's right. We're going to have some of our lower ranking folks pedal the bicycle. So if the wind and solar <laughs> <laughs> give out, and the tank is not able to go forward in battle against the implacable Chinese foe, this fellow on the bicycle will power it. Each tank will require a staff of 50, because each person can't pedal for very long. It's very tiring. Right, exactly. But he'll switch out with the solar squeegee guy. Because <laughs> you're going to have to have, like, probably a private, maybe, I don't know, maybe a corporal, behind their squeegeeing squeegee the solar panels to keep them clean. And I'd imagine occasionally they'll be hit by bullets or bombs, and so you'll have to replace those panels. And you're going to have to have a team of mechanics uh, ready to shimmy up the windmill that's mounted to the tank. To, uh, to fix it should, you know, enemy fire uh, disable it. Or in case the wind blows, maybe they can turn it by hand. Uh, let's see. The Army will also make changes to installation, master planning, natural resource planning, and design, construction, and sustainment standards to address climate risks. Uh, I happen to uh, be acquainted with a number of folks who are in the military, both uh, uh, grunts on up to rather elite levels, and I guarantee you, somebody said to the Secretary of the Army, dude, all four branches have to put out a statement about what you're doing about climate change. And he said, what? I got freaking China on the march. I got Russia. Looks like they might invade Ukraine. I got old equipment because it hasn't been updated. I don't have parts for the airplanes. And you want me to die right. And he tasked some poor son of a gun about two levels below him to write out this statement about all the things the Army is going to do about uh, about climate change. <clears throat> None of those things will happen. Those are words on a page, but I hope you found them gratifying because some poor son of a gun had to write them. A little bonus mailback here. I love this email. I mentioned it earlier before. Barry writes, 
I received a personal notification from Joe Biden telling me he would put uh, $1,400 into my bank account. How does he know my bank account number? Where did he get the money from? I really don't care. I'm going to use the money to pay part of my taxes. And what I love about that is this: you need to think about this. People are paying taxes to the government that they got from the government. But the money doesn't actually exist. It's being borrowed from the taxpayers of the future with interest. So people are taking money from the government to pay the government at the expense of current children who have no idea what's going on. Have you ever read any Kafka? Read some Kafka. Read the Metamorphosis. No, that's not the good one. That's just weird. What's the what? what read the read the uh, the other one by Kafka. You know the one, the good one, the one that's about this. You'll like it. The trial, the castle, uh, letter to his father, the judgment. Might be the God, trial. A lot of books. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What's the one about? Uh, oh, oh, oh. Uh, Bartleby the Scrivener. Is that Kafka? That's a good one. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's a good one. Kafka might. If he didn't, re- if he didn't write it, he probably read it. Because <laughs> it's good. Bartleby the Scrivener. Um, and then finally, this from Julie, who, interestingly enough, uh, begins her note with a defense of uh, pre-K. Says it's really not so bad. So as a fan of small government, I certainly want to have go- would not have gone out and lobbied for universal pre-K. But of all the things the Dems are going to blow trillions on, free daycare is probably one of the least bad, in my opinion. Except that it's the government, so they'll almost certainly mess up the implementation waste money. Well, that's a good point. That's part of the reason. I'm against it. Plus, it it makes people more dependent on the government. That's bad, 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 bad. But then she goes on to say, uh, oh, wait a minute. Where is it? Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I've got the wrong page in front of me. It's a two-page email, and I somehow grabbed the wrong page in which she quotes a friend from Venezuela. Ah, dang it. Anyway, I'll have to paraphrase. Um... This friend of hers from Venezuela is is practically shouting at her and her husband. I see the things that brought Venezuela down coming to the United States. How do you people not recognize that? And it sounds like hyperbole. It sounds like craziness or or like right-wing paranoia. But there's another story I was going to try to get to. Maybe we'll touch on it, where uh, the Department of Agriculture now is going to serve like poor kids school lunches to virtually everybody and they're completely cooking the books to come up with a pretext for doing it and it's going to make more and more people dependent on the government to feed their children which is like next to breathing one of the most fundamental things a living creature does and the idea that well I don't do that the government does that is incredibly insidious I'll tell you a little bit uh, more about it in a moment stay here Show. 
The recent studies, men who have had COVID can experience erectile dysfunction, and some have even reported a decrease in the size of their penis. Now that's how you sell some masks. <laughs> or the vaccine, yeah. Uh, are there any other of uh, those jokes we haven't played yet? Um, let's see, we got that one. We, uh... Now this one's kind of political. House Minority Whip Steve Scalise released a letter outlining the Republican agenda, which includes stopping Nancy Pelosi's socialist agenda. Oh, please. The only way Nancy Pelosi has a socialist agenda is if socialist is the name of a restaurant in Napa Valley. (laughs) That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, Hey, I just came across this. Breaking news, breaking news. The Supreme Court agreed fairly recently, just now, to consider a major rollback of abortion rights. you got to be careful this the way the story's written i'll have to look at the uh the actual case and and what it means but uh saying it will decide whether states can ban abortions before a fetus can survive outside the womb per the ap which is a liberal liberal organization court's order sets up a showdown over abortion according to john johnson on newser probably in the fall with a more conservative court seemingly ready to dramatically alter nearly 50 years of rulings on abortion rights uh, most of which were based on roe versus wade which invented a legal doctrine in a very strange way um case involves a Miss- mississippi law that would prohibit abortions after the 15th week of pregnancy the state's ban had been blocked by lower courts as inconsistent with uh, Roe v. Wade and, and other cases. So, uh, interesting. We'll have to see that one unfold. Uh, speaking of women, <clears throat> the massive Marilyn Monroe statue, who is clearly visible underpants, have caused drama in the past, is back. And back causing controversy. I've got to admit, either I didn't know about or I'd forgotten about because it's so stupid, the controversy over the giant Marilyn Monroe statue. It's 26 feet tall. It's uh, called Forever... Dr. Freud. (laughs) It's it's, uh, called Forever Marilyn, Marilyn, and it's returning to Palm Springs, California permanently after a temporary stay in the city from 2012 to 2014. Good times. Uh, the stainless steel and aluminum sculpture shows Monroe in her iconic seven-year itch pose with air from a subway grate blowing up her skirt. And it will be placed in front of the Palm Springs Art Museum with her backside and the aforementioned undies facing visitors as they exit. <laughs> now, the museum... Is that how they signal the exit? <laughs> Oh, oof. The museum director, I'm thinking of going, no, nah, I'm not going to go down that road. The museum director complains that thousands of students who visit the museum each year shouldn't be forced to look at that. And uh, the change.org petition objecting to the statue's placement agrees. It forces people to almost upskirt, she says, of the statue's location, referring to the illegal in California practice of sneakily taking a photo up someone's skirt. Upskirting. If you will. So the museum director, evidently, he was not in on the decision to put the gigantic, the, the, the half-revealed Marilyn in front of his own museum? Uh, who, who decided? The city fathers or mothers? <laughs> A 17-year-old intern? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, in addition to the petition, the ridiculous change.org petition, somebody needs to, to just unplug that, whatever it is. Uh, there's the Committee to Relocate Maryland, which has raised nearly $70,000 so far toward its quest of having the statue placed elsewhere. Maybe behind the museum. 
You put it out the rear entrance facing the museum. So only people who want to see the gigantic statues, gigantic hind end, will see it. <laughs> and those who are offended by gigantic starlit mediocre actresses sex pot for some reason 50 years ago buttocks will not be so offended oh man it's a it's a mark of our success as a country that we have any time to worry about this stuff oh, i got to read more about the uh the supreme court case though this this article is written in kind of uh like super hot clicky clickbaity terms um but I want to know the actual uh, who's who and, and what's what and what they're trying to decide. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, we don't really have time to get into this thoroughly, but a uh, great uh, piece in uh, Heritage.org by Darren Baxt about the, the changes come to the school lunch program. And as Jack always points out, Jack's uh, under the weather today. We, we hope he'll be back tomorrow. But um, there was never a vote. There was never a decision by the American people or the Supreme Court or an act of Congress that I recall or anything. There was never a debate over the idea that uh, naturally the government feeds your children, feeds them uh, breakfast in school. If they're poor, okay. How about all summer long when they're not in school? And as long as it's poor kids, I guess it has to be all kids get to come to the school. And as long as it's all kids, how about uh, adolescents? How about teenagers? How about adults? And all of a sudden, schools have become government feeding centers. Who yeah. wants to eat? Who the f- wants to eat? You have something to eat. Hooray! Senator Mel Gibson there debating the policy. Uh, but uh, Heritage is writing about, Should the federal government take the hard-earned dollars of American families and use it to give welfare to the middle class and the wealthy? The answer is, of course not. That turns welfare on its head. Welfare is supposed to be a safety net for those in need. I think we all agree with that. But the Biden administration, some legislators, would like to turn the needs-based federal school meals program into a blanket entitlement, free school meals for all. It's interesting. This would allow... Schools or school districts with just 40% of its students eligible for certain federal welfare welfare programs to provide free meals for all of the students at school, regardless of whether they come from low-income families. Just just 40% triggers everybody gets free lunches. But that wasn't good enough for them. The U.S. Department of Agriculture then took a very expansive and likely unlawful interpretation of the community eligibility provision to make it possible for school districts to group schools together however they needed to reach the 40% threshold. So school districts can take a school with a very high in-need student population and combine it with Richie Richville... But those two schools combined hit 40%, so every student in both schools gets taxpayer-funded lunches, even though the wealthy school has less need for that than you or me. Then this is all taking middle-class tax money to buy school lunches for rich people for some reason. We'll get into this a little more tomorrow. Oh, say can you see Final Thoughts with A-N-G I don't appreciate him taking liberties with the national anthem, but that was kind of amusing. Hey, uh, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew, beginning with our technical director, pressing the buttons, keeping us on the air, Michelangelo. Michael! You know, if an alligator grabbed my dog, I'd probably just say goodbye to the dog, but if it grabbed my remote control or my Xbox, that Hmm. gator might be dead. 
fight to the death. Yeah. Clearly. Clearly. Positive Sean, our producer, has a final thought. Sean? Bartleby the Scrivener, not written by Kafka. It Damn is it. Uh, written by Herman Melville. Maybe Melville. You've heard of him. Uh, it's a short story characterized as a symbolic fable of self-isolation and the passive resistance to routine. Yes. Yes. Kafka, I think I was thinking of the trial. Anyway, read all your great literature. It expands the mind and shrinks the belt line or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, my favorite, my final thought is that uh, Sean went to a basketball game over the weekend, an NBA game. I went to a Major League Baseball game, and it was so great to be back to doing that sort of thing. It was it was crazy fun, good to be around people. There's still a lot of utterly needless COVID hygiene theater going along, but don't worry about it. If you're vaccinated, go to a ball game. They're open. They're playing ball. It's still crazy fun. You can still eat ill-advised foods and drink too much or, or whatever you like. Oh, I heard the uh, the theater, both London and uh, Broadway and all around America is starting to open up, whether 25% or 50% capacity. But Alexander Hamilton. Oh, Lord. There are other plays, you pop fan. So many people to thank. So little time. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. All of the podcasts are there on demand. If you missed a segment of the show or the A&G Extra Large podcast with Neil Ferguson, you've got some fabulous A&G swag. Get yourself a T-shirt. It helps pay guys. Keep them on the payroll. We didn't get no government money. We're too proud. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. That is the climax of foolishness. So the hustle. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Go away. Screw it. I'm leaving. I'm doing the work. Is it? It's sort of. It's kind of bogus. Get over it. I'm just saying. Words. That's the awesome. I think this is so ill-advised. I'm gonna call my lawyer. Gun. And when it's over, it is over. It is over. You are being a grumpy pants. What does it have to be? Fire, you, sir. you, you. Catch me outside. How about that? Armstrong and Getty.